Hello and welcome to WeatherSnap, a weekly show where we look at the weather and climate headlines. It's Friday the 20th of January. I'm Claire Nazir. And I'm Alex Deakin. And what a week, Alex. It's been another busy week. We're only into the third week of January. We started off mild and then it was very wet. And now, well, this last week it's been Baltic, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and don't forget the cold spell before Christmas as well, Claire. It's been a busy couple of months. Winter is, is often busy, but it has seemingly been a bit crazy uh, so far this January. And this week in particular, yeah, all about the cold. Temperatures dropping widely in the north, minus 7 to minus 10. And then by Wednesday, a severe frost had hit the south as well. We've had all kinds of warnings, snow, ice and uh, even fog warnings going out now for the weekend. So plenty going on. Yes, plenty going on. And into the weekend, obviously, we'll talk about that forecast in a while. Let me just talk, though. I just had a really bad day on Thursday. It was yesterday because I woke up to about five, six centimetres of snow, lots of ice around. It was chaos on the roads. Really quite scary. And the trees, though, they looked so beautiful. I don't know whether it was snow or hoarfrost. It was hard to say, but it was one of those mornings where you felt like you were driving through Narnia, albeit very, very slippery. And I looked at the radar thinking it must be, you know, more than just us in Cheshire getting the snow. But it was really pinpointed around sort of the Cheshire area and down to something called the Cheshire Gap, Alex, which we do talk about from time to time when the winds are northwesterly driving in showers and they sort of align along that sort of line from Liverpool Bay to Cheshire uh, and not a lot either side and that's exactly what happened on Thursday morning. Yeah, the, uh, there's a little gap there in the in the topography in the mountains. So uh, between the, the mountains of North Wales and the Pennines, a, a little gap that if the wind's just in the right direction, those showers can filter through and actually get all the way down to London sometimes as well. These snow showers didn't. Uh, but of course, yeah, that is the Cheshire Gap, a well-known meteorological feature. And the winds just shifted on Thursday morning, didn't they? Because before that, we weren't seeing much snow in the Manchester area at all. It was all northerly winds, but that subtle shift allows more moisture. The winds just come down between Northern Ireland and Scotland, picking up the moisture across the Irish Sea and filter down. So it's just a, a perfect scenario for that. Um, people do say, don't they? People wonder why we make such a fuss about snowfall and why people go crazy for it. And, and you just touched on it there because it does make the whole world look beautiful. I mean, it really does change everything in many ways. Yes, it's a nightmare or can be a nightmare on the roads and for traveling around, but it does just make things beautiful. And that's why people do get excited about it. Uh, and part of that is also because it, it's reasonably rare in the UK. And you know, we don't get it every winter, certainly across parts of the South. So it is such an evocative thing, Snow, love it or hate it. So you're down in the southwest. Obviously, mm -hmm. Scotland got a real pacing with the snow and there were warnings um, across those parts. But even down in the West Country, you did see some of the white stuff. Yeah, we don't get much down here in Devon. Uh, I remember when we had the Beast from the East 2018. I told my kids to go out there and enjoy it because they don't get it very often. And uh, yeah, we've hardly seen a flake since. Uh, but we did have some where I am, which is East Devon, on Wednesday morning. That was just in the showers. But actually we had some heavier stuff on both Monday morning as a little low drifted through the uh, through the channel. And then on Tuesday morning, particularly across parts of Cornwall, quite rare for, for Cornwall to see significant snow, a few centimetres on Tuesday morning as well. So it has been affecting parts of the southwest as well as the northwest. But uh, yeah, northern Scotland has borne the brunt of it, leading to what is now an absolute 
cracking day across Scotland in the snow. There'll be lots of people skiing today in Scotland with light winds, lots of sunshine and lots of fresh snow to be had. Now, there's a word for winter sunlight on your face, isn't there? There's a nice word which describes it so well. Yes, that word is apricity. I've been using it all day today. It's an absolutely beautiful word and I can't think of a, a better day so far this winter to have used it. It means the feeling of the warmth of the sun on your face. So even though it's a cold day, you can still feel the warmth, particularly this time of year. You know, So the second half of winter, when the sun is just getting that much higher and it does have a little bit of power in it. That first time you notice the feeling of the sun on your face and that's, yeah, apricity. Great word. I learned it on Twitter probably a few years ago now from uh, Susie Dent, of course, from Countdown. So she posted it on Twitter. That's where I first heard of it. And I've been trying to use it more and more ever since. Well done, Susie Dent. Yes, I like that word. And you did use it in one of your forecasts this week on YouTube. It's spot that forecast because you do tease it quite a lot, but only once did you actually use that word. Apricity. Love it. Thank you, Alex, for that. You've made um, some value to my day. So, you know, we talk about the church. <laughs> That's my aim, Claire. I always like yes. to add some value to your day. <laughs> some value. You know, there are certain weather phrases which just go round and we say, oh, that's that. Like the Scandinavian high. Oh, it's Scandinavian high. Of course, it's going to be cold and et cetera. Um, and Cheshire Gap. Well, of course, yeah, Cheshire's going to get some showers. And there's another one which has been sort of making the rounds recently, certainly in headlines online. And that's the polar vortex. Now, it's a different polar vortex to what the Americans talk about because theirs is a little bit lower associated with very cold, low pressure systems. Whereas this polar vortex is something slightly different. But before we explain what it is and give it some context, I just had a look on Google earlier today and there are a number of headlines blaming the polar vortex, bringing back a plunging temperature, sub-zero levels, etc. across Britain. So even just in the last few hours, we've seen these headlines from the Express, uh, from the Mirror. Um, another one three weeks ago from the Mirror saying sudden stratospheric warming to trigger New Year snow Arctic freeze due to the polar vortex. Um, Bristol Live, a similar situation. And just a few hours ago, the Daily Star warning about a polar vortex which could plunge us back into sub-zero temperatures from next month. So, yes, a lot of headlines, a lot of buzz around these two small words. First of all, Alex, what is it and why does it impact us so much occasionally? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of confusion about what the polar vortex is, and I think there's a lot of confusion in those newspaper headlines as well. When we talk about the polar vortex, we're talking about the stratospheric polar vortex. So something high up in the stratosphere, 30 miles up, 50 kilometres up in the sky, and it's above the North Pole. It's a, a natural phenomenon. It happens every year. As the North Pole points away from the sun, it doesn't get any sunlight, it gets incredibly cold. And what naturally happens is you get this circulation of winds way, way up in the stratosphere, as I said, 50 kilometres up. And it's just a, a natural circulation of the winds and they get stronger as, the, as it gets colder through uh, November and into December. And it's kind of a semi-permanent feature throughout winter. Very strong westerly winds, um, stronger than our jet stream at, at times. And it's there, say, for most of winter, but it does kind of wax and wane a little bit. So it sometimes weakens, but it's sometimes stronger than average at the moment, or certainly through most of this winter, it's been stronger than average. And when it's stronger than average, it tends to favour 
a stronger jet stream lower down. So the jet streams were seven miles up, 10 kilometers up, something like that. So it all kind of backs it up. So with a strong polar vortex, the jet stream tends to be stronger and you get westerlies. And that's why we've seen such a mild, but often wet starts to the year across the UK because the polar vortex has been stronger than average. What can happen in winter months is it can weaken and eventually it can reverse. And actually, instead of being a westerly wind, it becomes an easterly wind. When that happens, you get sudden stratospheric warming. So the stratosphere suddenly warms up and temperatures suddenly jump up. And then that can have a knock on effect, usually weeks later, a couple of weeks later, and weaken the jet stream and allow the jet stream to, to weaken or reverse. And that can then allow easterly winds to set up across the UK. It's what happened when we had the beach from the east in 2018. Um, but when the polar vortex weakens when we get these SSW events. It doesn't always mean that we're going to get an easterly. We've had them since the beast from the east and it hasn't seen easterly winds across the UK. So it's a complicated thing. There's knock-on effects. And just because the polar vortex is, is weakening, we get these sudden stratospheric warmings, it doesn't mean that we're definitely going to get a beast from the east. At the moment, the polar vortex is very strong, still stronger than average, but some computer models are signaling it's likely to weaken as we go through next week in particular and the back end of January. So there are a reasonably strong signal that it will weaken, but there's only a small chance of it actually flipping to an easterly, something around 20 to 25% chance of it actually switching, getting one of these SSW uh, events as we go into February. So the chances are still pretty small, even of that happening. And as I said, even if that does happen, it's far from guaranteed that we will get easterly winds and it wouldn't be till uh, the middle part of February if we did. So it's something we're keeping a close eye on, something we will continue to monitor. And yeah, that's it at the moment. It's just something to be aware of, but it's definitely not going to bring us a snow bomb in the next uh, three days. If you look on Twitter, there's a, a small community of people who talk a lot about the polar vortex and the stratospheric polar vortex. And it's very interesting. And they're keeping a keen eye on any perturbation which would indicate one thing or another. And as you say, it's not every time when you see a collapse of the polar vortex that you see an easterly wind or, as you say, the freezer door opening. But if it does happen, mm -hmm. wow, remember 2018, that was one heck of a cold snap, icy freezing rain, beast from the east, obviously snow, and then Storm Emma moving up from Spain and Portugal, just engaging with that cold air. And it was a whiteout, wasn't it, across most of the country with incredibly strong winds, a really quite a nasty, nasty setup. That was a proper beast from the east. People yeah. think that the beast, the term beast from the east was only invented in 2018 for that weather. Obviously, uh, we know that People have used the term beast from the east to describe any kind of easterly wind uh, in the past, but it's particularly now tied to that weather event or events because it happened twice, uh, 2018, because it was so significant, those strong winds. Uh, and the, the fact that it was that time of year when the air was almost at its coldest uh, across um, northern parts of Russia, which is where that air originated from. So, yeah, that was significant. And, you know, it's understandable that people are interested in that kind of thing because it does create serious and significant weather. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, people do love snow. So it's understanding that people want to want to see that or want to keep an eye on that kind of thing. And that's what we should do. But it's important for us as the Met Office just to kind of put it into context and say at the moment, it's a small chance. And even if it does happen, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get an easterly. 
Yeah, well, that's good. Categorical there, Alex. I like that. And um, we'll come back to the forecast in a minute because things are changing. We saw some very low temperatures through the week and now it's trickling in the mild air from the west. And I'm just quoting Alex Deacon from a forecast just a couple of days ago. Um, the polar vortex is something that the Met Office scientists dedicate a lot of time to. As you say, as Alex said, it's really interesting and it can have significant impacts on the weather across Europe as well as the UK. And understanding weather systems such as the polar vortex involves a lot of scientific knowledge. And the Met Office draws on advice and input from a range of experts across many fields of climate and meteorology. At a recent gathering of these experts, climate correspondent Graham Madge heard about the latest thinking on that vexing weather phenomena, summer rainfall. So we're jumping from winter to summer. Let's hear from Graham. This week at the Met Office, we've been bringing together leading scientists from the UK and across the world to help us carry out an independent review of our whole scientific program, including those banning both weather and climate. One of the scientists leading the review is Professor Haley Fowler of the University of Newcastle. Our scientists have been working with Haley on a very important topic of trying to assess the future impact of convective rainfall the rain and hail that comes from systems often associated with thunderstorms. At the moment, these systems mainly affect southern Europe, particularly in the autumn, and central Europe in the summer. We get a relatively small proportion of our rainfall in the summer from these systems over the UK. Our future simulation, we saw a much larger proportion of rainfall over the UK, up to about 60 or 70 percent, of rainfall in the summer in the UK is coming from these mesoscale convective systems. And this means that we can expect rainfall to be much more sporadic, much more intense and much more localised in the future over the UK. A key element of our scientific programme is to uncover findings which have a value in the future understanding of weather and climate impacts, such as increasing rainfall from thunderstorms on the UK and around the world. We already see these intense events causing flash flooding quite regularly now across Europe and the UK. And of course, an increase in the intensity of these systems and potentially an increase in the number of large storms and their clustering in time could increase the impacts of these flash flood events, causing more areas to be flooded. Dr Hayley Fowler of the University of Newcastle And I think one of the key talking points and messages that comes out of this, we must be more resilient to such weather because our climate is changing. And in fact, Alex, earlier this week, he did a Twitter space on cities and climate impacts. Yeah, and that's quite relevant to this, because obviously if we have bigger cities and more cities with more concrete, then you get more runoff. So if the if the rain in summer is heavier and more intense and cities are larger, that, that is going to increase the flooding risk as well. You can catch that Twitter spaces. Uh, we did it well, earlier this week, so it'll be a, it's available for 30 days, I believe. Um, so, yeah, check out our Twitter feed, search for Met Office. And we posted that on Monday. So we did a a Twitter spaces, 20 minute chat about cities and how they're impacted by climate change. Fantastic. And there's a mostly climate podcast about that as well. So a longer format interviewing a couple of really fantastic scientists, Met Office scientists, about the same subject. Alex, let's backtrack now to the moment in hand. Um, We've had a very cold week. The week before was very wet. Before that, it was mild. What's happening this weekend? 
Things are changing, Claire, for some parts of the UK. It's going to be a bit of a north-south split this weekend, uh, with Scotland and Northern Ireland seeing the most significant change with much more cloud round and a little bit of rain. Most of the rain going to be in western Scotland and patchy rain across Northern Ireland, but nothing too heavy, but certainly a bit of a dank and drizzly weekend here. For England and Wales, we kind of have a continuation of the cold but dry weather. However, uh, as well as frost, it is likely to turn foggy. Some thick fog patches around, especially on Saturday morning, could be quite widespread as well and dense. So uh, there's a warning in place for that, actually. So just be aware of that on Saturday morning. Haven't seen much of that recently, but yeah, fog around. But once that clears, or if you don't see it forming, then it'll just be a fine, bright, sunny day again. So time to enjoy that apricity across England and Wales. Uh, by Sunday, the cloud is increasing a little bit more across western parts of England and Wales. But eastern air is likely to stay dry and bright, but cold. Slowly but surely, temperatures are rising in the west. So a slightly strange outlook in terms of the temperatures, because by Sunday, it'll be the northwest where temperatures are going to be in double figures, 9, 10, 11 Celsius. But further south and east will only be at five or six Celsius. So kind of the opposite to what you'd normally expect to see on a temperature map. Thank you, Alex. Now let's go over to Ollie Clayton, who has last week's highs and lows. Here are the extremes for the week Monday the 9th of January to Sunday the 15th of January. The warmest place was Harden in Quid with 14.7 Celsius. The coldest day was on Thursday the 12th when a Boyne in Aberdeenshire recorded a temperature of minus 3.4 degrees. It was a very wet week with rivers breaching their banks and flooding, particularly in the west. The highest rainfall over 24 hours was 60.6 millimetres at Capelcurig in Gwynedd on Tuesday the 10th. It was also a dull week, although sunshine did break through towards the end of the week. The sunniest place was Shoebruness in Essex, where 6.6 .6 hours of sunshine was recorded on Sunday. That's it from Weathersnap. My thanks to Alex Deacon. Thanks, Claire. Editor this week is Adrian Holloway. We'll see you next week. Weathersnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office. For the latest weather conditions where you are, download the Met Office weather app.